Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. I'm Craig Fields. And I'm David Long. And you're listening to week 57 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And we're back again, going out of our way to watch as many films in the (laughs) cinema, even the bad ones, so you, the listener, don't have to. That's right. Craig, what have we planned for our dear listeners today? Well, our first film that we're going to be talking about today is, in fact, Cruella. Disney have shaken the tree (laughs) and they've churned out yet another film that may not have been strictly necessary. Or was it? Stick around and find out. We're then going to be extra quiet for A Quiet Place Part 2. I I hope you could actually hear that bit, but we are going to be extra quiet for A Quiet Place Part 2. We really are. Uh, And then we're going to round off the show with The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Or The Devil, The Devil, The Devil. (laughs) The Conjuring, Cruella Devil Made Me Me Do It. it. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, So it's another film that the ever-expanding Conjuring universe has added to its list of films that are a part of it. What are the films other than none? You've got The Nuns, Annabelle, um, a film, forgive me, I can't remember, it had some sort of Spanish sounding to it. Um, I can't remember what it was called. I can't even edit it in. Let's move on. <laughs> but it's an, you are right, it's an expanding universe. Um, it's a universe that I'm quite pop, quite fond of. Are and you? I am, actually, yeah. Oh, I'm, um, just, I'm interested to hear And I'm looking forward, to, I was looking forward to this film, and I'm looking forward to reviewing it. And hearing my thoughts. Uh, and and he- hearing your thoughts. <laughs> and do you know what else I'm looking forward to hearing? How are you? I'm, I'm great. How are you? Well, today was Sofa Gate. Um, I tr- <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, okay. I'll let you explain how you came into possession of this sofa first. So, have I ever, last week you discussed about a little bit about what you do for a living. Have I ever told our dear listeners what I do? I don't, I don't, no, I don't think you have. I don't think I have. I work for, uh, I can say this, a storage company. Um, fundamentally my job is to sell air. Um, it's to <laughs> sell empty space to people who require storage. Um, and to cut a long story short, me and my manager had Two sofas. Your manager and I. My uh, manager and I, don't get onto that again. Uh, had two sofas that we were in his unit and then they were in my unit and we needed to get rid of them. And I put on Facebook. Wait a second. Before you go any further. Mm. So this belonged to, these sofas belonged to your manager? Well, technically no. They belonged to an old customer and the manager was like, I'll have them off of you because he was just going to take them to the tip. He thought he could make use of them and now he's realised he doesn't want them either. So, so I you thought, said, I can have those. I can have them because what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a really good deed and put them on Facebook for free and hope that someone in need of a sofa, that I was in need of a sofa, I got a free second-hand sofa when I moved into my new flat, would hopefully come across this post, come down and be like, thank you so much, you've helped me out, you've given me a free sofa. All the comments were, were started by this cretin. <laughs> Oi, you can't <laughs> say that. I, I'm pointing my finger across the studio. Who so put, rude. How much, mate? And then there was about actually, 20 comments, actually, people that's... inboxing me, how Stop. much for the sofa do you deliver? Wait, I, 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 I said, because of the way that you wrote, 
the 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 status if you got it up can you can you get it up and read it i think it's a, it's an appropriate thing to do is for you to just read the status and then you'll see that then our listeners will understand Craig why these is comments making it up I'm, I'm not making it up let me get the status up how are you talking in the meantime while i get it up i mean i was oh, I, I can't get it I, I mean i wonder if any of our listeners would like to oh, edit that and take that out of context go on then you've now got it up that's great capital blocks free sofa Brackets, please share. I want to help a friend out, so I'm posting this on my page as opposed to a Hemel group. I'm really hoping you or someone you know is in need of a nice sofa. I'd love to bless someone with a free sofa. Please message me or inbox me for more details. So you mentioned free quite a lot of times, first of yeah. all, in there. So I thought it was quite funny to just Wasn't sort of funny. say, is this free? And then the comments <laughs> just ensued after that were along the same lines. Is it free? Do you deliver? Do you do it in different colours? Yeah, I mean, it, do you? Uh, <sighs> and, but anyway, the, the the funny part of that, the, the way that you wrote that, it, it kind of made it sound like you were trying to help a friend out by putting it on Facebook. Um, not shaking not, my head. not that you were trying to give somebody in need a that, sofa. That's what I was trying to do. I, I get, which is a very good deed. Um, has anyone bitten and... and said that they want it <laughs> the problem we've got is i've now got i managed to acquire another sofa along the way and um, two of the same i've now well they're slightly different same color different size one's like a two piece three piece and one's like a six piece it's really long um i've now got two sofas i, I don't know where what are to you do. putting them well they're currently in our loading bay at work <laughs> right well, where what's going to happen to them well hopefully someone's going to pick it up oh yeah, so I, I don't think anyone wants them. But I told you, put them on free and cheap. I'm going to put it on free and cheap. Some... But I wanted it. Do you know what I mean? But I wanted it to go to yeah. a friend, yeah. help someone out. Yeah. Anyway, my good deed, as the good Samaritan that I am, didn't go according to plan. Other positive news: pointing the finger, the man that said I couldn't do it, and we argued about this last time. Yeah, but I didn't say you couldn't do Eight it. Eight weeks off the cigarettes today. Two months. Congratulations, and 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 I didn't say you couldn't do it. I know, I know. I'm winding you up. God. Um, but. I've also been hitting the gym, um, which I'm really enjoying. I've lost about nine, ten pounds. I'm, my weight's fluctuating a little bit, but it is going down. Uh, and I'm feeling healthy mentally. I'm feeling better physically. I'm feeling better. And I'm enjoying the gym. That's really good to hear. Really good to hear. So I'm really pleased, mm. David. And um, it's nice to be sitting face to face recording mm. this again. I feel like maybe uh, listeners, does this sound more engaging? Do we sound like we we like each other again? Because, <laughs> you know, when you get the pauses over the internet, it's yeah, difficult you get the, to the buffering. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, what I would like to know, David, is um, the gym. What's it like being back in the gym? Mm. Well, obviously, you've got the sanitization of of all the equipment, which I don't know whether it. I don't know if COVID actually can spread on gym machines. That's an argument. That's a different. Depends if you cough on it, isn't it. It's a different conversation. But that's sweat on that's it. That's quite actually. I think going forward, even without COVID, cleaning the gym equipment down after you've used it and sweated all over it is quite courteous and nice. I mean, I, I I do think that was the policy before, but people ignored that. I I I don't know. I, You're supposed to have put to, a towel down. I don't know. You'd have to check on your gym. But what I would say is, there are some people that go to the gym and I'm wagging my finger merely for instagram there are these people that just go there and pose in gym shark and under armor looking shredded and ripped and better than i do um and also if you follow us on twitter apparently i look like a drug dealer yeah. i'm wearing a nice shirt and a pair of sliders but with a with a with a briefcase apparently i look like i'm selling drugs but it just looks like you've come back from a foreign country <laughs> one that is probably known best for trading in the cocaine <laughs> experience in in in, pow, in the nicky louder 
Um, but yeah, no, look, I'm enjoying the gym. And the most important thing is it genuinely is helping my physical health, my mental health. Are you, you're not one of those people that tends to just sort of go and just not do that much and just stare around. And no, I, I genuinely, I'm, I, I've got you're a fairly stuff. good regime, a mixture of cardio and, and weight. And what about when you go swimming though? I can't get a, I can't book swimming. Oh. Um, it's fully booked. I mean, I have heard um, from friends that have seen you whilst you swim. That what do they do? You do a couple of lengths and then you give up and you just sit on the side <laughs> watching everyone else doing it. I, I'm not going to name who that was, but I know who, who said that. That's, <laughs> Is it because it's true? <laughs> it depends what kind of swim I'm doing. If I'm doing a swim to work out, I will swim a, quite a lot. And what's the other swim? The swim where you just look at everybody else? No, swimming. the other swim is a post-gym relaxation swim a couple of lengths chill out in the pool relax watch and stare at other people working hard in the swimming pool. i don't stare <laughs> anyway that's enough about me and my um fantastically healthy lifestyle mm. um how are you my friend i mean you did already ask me that at the beginning but i did I know what you're trying to get onto here health wise what's happened <laughs> to me recently uh well i had a colonoscopy mm. i mean for those of you who understand what a colonoscopy is you're going to be like, oh, but for those who don't understand what it is, I will try and summarize it without... In a PG way. I mean, it's not a dirty thing, let's be honest. <laughs> it's simply a camera that investigates the colon. I mean, that's the best way of... <laughs> um, or the large intestine. Mm. Um, that, I mean, that's the best way of summarizing it. Um, I have to have that regularly, maybe two, three years because of the Crohn's disease that I have. Um, but due to COVID, this was postponed. So it's been like four years. I mean, wow, 2017, 2018, 2019. Yeah, about four years nearly Wow. Um, since I last had one. So it was, of course, urgent that I actually had this just in case there was anything dodgy going on. And um, those of you who've had one of these before, it's not a pleasant experience, mm. mainly because of the lead up to it. And it's made even worse by the fact that you have to now isolate for three whole days mm. before you um, have to endure what is the, the, the worst part of this. And um, the, the worst part of this is having, first of all, having to fast for since from 9am the night, the day before. Yeah. Or, um, and then having to take something called uh, Movi Prep. Um, oh, Lord. And this is like a, a powder. And you have an A sachet and a B sachet, and you mix them together in a litre of water. And you have to subsequently drink all of that mm. first batch mm. over the course of two hours. And this um, essentially cleans your insides out. Mm. Mm. Not a pleasant pr- picture, but it's it's probably the worst part. It tastes foul. It's horrible. It's it's probably the worst experience of my life, and I have to do it every three years. Well, uh, yeah, and so that's that's that. And you're you're hungry. You're tired. Things are happening. Mm. Things are moving in ways that you rather <laughs> wouldn't. Things are moving. Yeah. Um. And you just just want to go to bed and sleep, and yeah. you're tired and. And you get there the next morning and you have to drive an hour and things haven't still finished moving. Oh, get yeah, I get going. Going. And, oh, yeah, I'm delirious and it's horrible. But the outcome of this mm. was that I have no active Crohn's disease at the minute. It's very good news. I'm very happy. The medication I'm taking is working. Mm. Um, 
so yeah, it's all very positive and I'm all very happy with that. And and we spoke off air. One of the reasons you wanted to talk about this was to raise awareness for Crohn's disease and getting treatments like this done if you feel that you need or Ab- the doctor feels that there's a need for it. It's yeah, important. absolutely. It is important to never miss your appointments. Always mm. talk about how you're feeling and how unwell you might be. Any ailments that you've got. I know during COVID, a lot of things went under the wayside. Uh, if you have any issues with A, your mental health or B, any ailments like aches, pains, like things that you might brush under the table. I think it's really important that if you don't, doesn't feel right, get it you checked go out. and get it checked out. Your GP is your first port of call and you push mm. as hard as you can to get listened to. And if you really are unsure about what's going on and you don't feel that whatever the decision that the GP made was the right decision that you push to get a second opinion or a consultant at a hospital looks at you, it has been difficult during covid but they are still there for you and i i I genuinely believe that you should get this sorted a hundred percent um and that's my um i don't know message to the people that's your wise words and talking of checking things out craig Mm. should we dive in and do something we haven't done for some time and check out the box office i i think that's a a wise idea let's do it office rundown brought to you by is it worth it the film review podcast yes that's right it's the box office rundown for the weekend of the 4th of june to the 6th of june 2021 (laughs) oh it's nice to say that again it's wonderful to see a box office it's it's just beautiful it is films have been playing in the cinema Mm. now for a good number of weeks in the uk and this is our uk box office um david will you start us off at number 10 please so at number 10 we have demon slayer mugen train from japan i hope i said that correct it's from sony pictures um its total gross is just over is that a million that is a million, isn't it? It's very far away from me in the studio, but that is about a million pounds. Uh, we haven't seen this. We're not expecting to see this. Um, so we're probably not going to review it on the show. Um, but if you, dear listener, have seen this film, particularly if you've seen it in a cinema, cinematic environment, please do message us, tweet us, drop us an email, and we'll happily read your review out on the show. So uh, I have seen the trailer for it. It's played mm. quite a few times when we go to the cinema, and I, I, I actually think it looks really good. I, I, I'm a quite a big anime fan in some instances like i i will watch them and i will get involved with them um and uh yeah I, i'm quite intrigued by it i would like to go and see this but alas time eludes me mm. again um but number nine i'll go to number nine now mm. it's raya and the last dragon this is courtesy of disney pictures um and it, it grossed at the weekend eighty one thousand pounds or just over um and it's total gross bizarrely is only uh 500 pounds i think it's because the preview has come out in the cinema they haven't had many screenings in the cinema i think it's now officially out in the cinema um it is available on disney plus and i think we are going to catch this fairly soon mm. um possibly for the next episode i think that might be wise 
Um, and then we'll bring you a review. David, number eight, please. In at number eight, we have Best Picture Winner Nomadland. Uh, the distributor is, believe it or not, Disney. Um, total gross is £1,694,952. Precisely. Uh, precisely. Um, me and Craig got Craig a... Craig and I. Oh, sorry. Craig and I got a, a wonderful screener for this. We saw it quite early. We haven't seen it in this. I haven't seen it in this. Have you seen it in this? Cinema? No, I haven't actually. Um, saw it at home. If you want to hear our thoughts on Nomadland, please do, do go back to week 55 or 54. Look out for Nomadland. Listen yeah. to our review. I think we saw this in February. We saw it quite a while ago. Um, yeah. Was it worthy of its best picture win? Listen to our review to find out. It's also on Disney+. Plus. And of course, it's on Disney Plus. So it won Best Picture. Um, you know, that's all you need to know, really. If it's, is it worth it? Well, it won Best Picture. If you want to know if it's really, really worth it, listen to our review. In at number seven, we have Tom and Jerry, the movie. We haven't seen this. Um, our good listener, a good listener friend, Pete, saw it. Um, and uh, we read out his review last week's show. If you haven't checked that out, listen to the end of week 56 and you'll hear what he thought. Um, I do believe it was a good cinematic experience for himself and the kids. Yeah. Um, he was pleasantly surprised, if I rightfully remember. Um, it's taken 96,000 over the weekend um, with a total growth of around about 600,000. Yeah. That's not a lot, is it? No, no, but it, the, the weekend gross is what the box office goes on, and it, it did reasonably well at the weekend when it comes in at number seven. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> What's That's how the box six? office works, Craig. Yeah. No, well, no, I know, but I mean, it hasn't taken a lot in no, the total no, gross. No, total gross is quite low. I, it doesn't surprise me. Um, what has done pretty well at the weekend and overall, but maybe not as well as I thought it would do in cinema, is Godzilla versus Kong from Warner Brothers. It took just under 160000 at the weekend, total gross of two million two hundred thousand six hundred and fifty eight um to be precise um this film was ludicrous it was crazy it was ridiculous um do listen to our full review uh, on was it last week's show week 56 week 56 do take a listen to that if you want to know whether it's worth it but i will say now was it was it on week 56 or maybe week 55 yeah. <laughs> jinx um i would say this if you're going to watch Godzilla vs. Kong, watch it on the biggest screen possible with popcorn, yes. with a hot dog. Yes. Um, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I think it's worth it in the cinema. At home, no, it's a bit of a poop movie. Um, yeah, I think I said that um, yeah. the other week, didn't I, as well? I, I saw it in the cinema in the end, and it was brilliant in the cinema, definitely. Mm. Uh, in at number five, we have Dream Horse. This is a UK movie, yeah. uh, and it's from Warner Brothers. It took £209,000 over the weekend, and it's grossed £209,000 total because it isn't actually officially out at that weekend, I believe. I believe you saw this as an unlimited screening at Cineworld Hemel Hempstead. I did, yes. This film is called Dream Horse. It's about it's about a racehorse called Dream Alliance, a racehorse that I remember watching growing up, a racehorse that I have very fond memories of. I have seen this film. Uh, I'm certainly going to rewatch this film. Um, I believe the plan is to review this on the next episode of the show. Um, so if you want to know if Dream Horse is worth it, listen to the next episode. Um, in at number four, is it me? It is. In at number four, we have The Conjuring. 
The Devil Made Me Do It. The Deville. The, the Coella Deville Made Me Do It. Um, weekend gross, just over a million pound. Pretty solid numbers. Total gross, 5,312,625. Is it worth it? Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> uh, then we're going to move on to number three, which is Cruella. So another film that we're going to be reviewing on today's show. I don't know why I went that so quick. What's going on with me? <laughs> it's the energy. I gave Craig an energy drink today. I think it's, it's just, quite late here, it actually. Just, it just kicked in. Um, <laughs> so we are going to be reviewing Cruella on today's show. There we go. Slowed that down for you. Um, at the weekend, um, that took over £1,200,000. Its total gross is one million. No, it's not. It's four, four million, over four million. <laughs> You're like Joe yeah. Biden. You just can't do numbers. I can't. I can't. I mean, to be fair, the cursor was over the four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't look right. <laughs> it's taken over four million quid. Yeah. Quite a lot over nearly four five million. Nearly five mil. Nearly five. No, I say it's uh, five, four, four and a half. Oh no! Let's say it's, it's four million four hundred and ninety-four. <laughs> so that's about four and a half mil, isn't it? No, it's not. Oh, sorry. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. I'm being stupid. I was looking at the nine. Like beat it by Moving beat on. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I am Joe Biden in a Donald Trump voice. Um, and at number two, we what have. What is going on to us? This energy drinks are not working. Um, in at number two, we have Peter Rabbit 2. Weekend gross, two million pounds just over. Total gross for Peter Rabbit 2, 12 million, 615,157 pounds to be precise. We should stop being so precise. Mind-boggling, really. This, let me just say, Peter Rabbit 2 has done really, really well at the box office. And I want to go on record and say, um, do listen to our last show where we reviewed it in full. This was a much better film. The characters were more well-rounded. It was fleshed out. The script was better. The plot was better. It was actually a pretty decent family film and one that I would recommend taking your family to see. And the box office reflects that. Yeah, we were both really pleasantly surprised by this movie. Mm. Because I, I, I want to say yes. the first one is, is awful. The first I, one is awful. Yeah. And uh, and we went into this thinking that this would be much the same. And actually, it really pleasantly um, surprised us. And um, I'm actually maybe looking forward to a third if there's going to be one. I Looking at those box office numbers, I would be baffled if they didn't make a third. Yeah, me too. Um, so in at number one then, number one in the box office in the UK is A Quiet Place Part 2. Uh, it took 3,500,000 at the weekend um, and that is its total gross to date because that was the weekend that it came out mm. for. And uh, I'm really pleased to see that there is a part two mm. and I'm really looking forward to our part two Quiet Place review uh, on this week's episode. Yes, so am I. Um, Craig, I, I, we haven't done this for a while but I believe this is the part where I, in a dramatic voice, run down the box office. It is. Go for it. In at number 10, Demon Slayer, Mugen Train. 9, Raya and the Last Dragon. 8, Nomadland. 7, Tom and Jerry the Movie. 6, Godzilla vs. Kong. 5, Dream Horse. 4, The Conjuring. You know, the, the devil made me do it. 3, Cruella. 2, Peter Rabbit 2. And at the top of the pile... Shh, a quiet place part two. <laughs> so it's time for the first review on week 57, and it's Cruella. Emma Stone stars in Disney's Cruella an all-new live-action feature film about the rebellious early days of one of cinema's most notorious 
and notoriously fashionable villains, the legendary Cruella de Vil. <laughs> uh, Cruella is set in 1970s London and follows a young grifter named Estella, a clever and creative girl determined to make a name for herself with her designs. She befriends a pair of young thieves who appreciate her appetite for mischief and together they are able to build a life for themselves on the London streets. Now one day Estella's flair for fashion catches Catches an eye, or catches the eye, not one eye, the eye, or the <laughs> eyes of the Baron, of the Baroness von Hellman, played by the legendary Emma Thompson. She's a fashion legend who is devastatingly chic, but their relationship sets in motion a course of events and revelations that will cause Estella to embrace her wicked side and become the raucous, fashionable, and revengebent, or revenge bent. Cruella Deville. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, let's take a little listen to a clip. Who are you? You look vaguely familiar. I look stunning. I don't know about familiar, darling. Your hair, is it real? Like my ball. I like to make an impact. Right. What was your name? Cruella. Oh. Mm. That's quite fabulous. And you designed this? You did, actually. 1965 collection. Oh, no wonder I love it. It's mine. I fixed it. So that was a clip from Cuella. Um, A brilliant clip, actually, where we've got Emma Thompson and Emma Stone, both of them really smashing performances out of the park. Um, Where do I start with this review? Well, I'll start by saying... um, my expectations for this, Craig, were beyond low. Um, I thought, firstly, I had very fond memories of 101 Dalmatians. The cartoon, yeah? No, the, the, uh, the Disney film. Well, the um, live action. The live action one. Mm-hmm. Uh, forgive me, I haven't got the names of the actors and actresses in it. Um, starring many, many no- Oscar no- time nominated actress who I think should have, um, who was in Hillbilly Elegy. Glenn Close, there you go. <laughs> you can tell this is off the cuff. Um, that, that version growing up as a child, I loved it. I also mm. loved the Cruella cartoons. So I had ingrained into me strong, passionate childhood memories. Um, I remember Glenn Close doing, oh, and where are the puppies? You know, and, <laughs> That's and good. Anita darling. Anita darling. Yeah. And brilliant. So I went into this film thinking, They've got something good. Mm. I don't have the Rotten Tomato numbers in front of me, but that, that Disney 101 Dalmatians was a damn good film, a, a crowd pleaser. Went in with pretty low expectations, but immediately, Craig, those expectations that I had were just sort of blown away because I want to go on, on record straight away and say this is a really good film, uh, and I, I will break it down into a, a number of layers um, firstly, it's directed by Craig Gillespie, and I think that's important because he's known most recently for directing I, Tonya, um, which I thought was a very, very uh, good film. Also, I believe, starring Paul Waterhauser, um, who is who is in this film. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the direction was, was solid. I want to talk about the cinematography. I want to talk about the costumes. I want to talk about the acting. So there's a lot to talk about. There that. is a lot to talk about, but... Off the cuff, before I say if it's worth it, because we save that for the end, um, Craig's doing a funny face at me. Yeah, I, I was really surprised by this film. Like, I think this is very, very good, and I will expand and tell you why after 
You do you want to come in? Or are you just yeah, gonna... no, yeah, no. I was, I was waiting for you to sort of shoehorn me in there somehow before you stole the show. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I was going to say much the same. I mean, the marketing for this film was quite low because I think they weren't sure if it was going to come out in the cinema or not due to COVID. Um, so they drip fed uh, trailers over time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I saw a trailer and I was look really looking forward to seeing it. Um, I, I wasn't looking forward to watching it at home because I thought this needs to be seen mm. on the big screen. And I was right. It really does need to be seen on the big screen because I was, I, I've watched it twice. Okay. I've watched it at home on Disney plus. Oh, wow. Um, and I've watched it in the cinema and I must say the amount of detail that you pick up on in the cinema, because that screen is so big, you see the little details of things written down on pieces of paper and newspaper cuttings. You yep. read all of those little nuggets of information that you actually miss at home. Now, obviously, my screen isn't like super tiny, but it's it's big enough. It's 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 a large screen still. Mm. You know, it's not cinema grade, but. I think we, I certainly missed those details and I actually got a much more enjoyable experience from watching it at the cinema. Um, I will say that Emma Stone in this film mm. as Estella slash Cruella is just absolutely off the charts here. Yeah. She is, it's, it's such a good performance. It's one of the best performances I've seen this year. Mm. Um, even Emma Thompson, I think as the Baroness, she, she, she's actually channeling Glenn Close here. She's also channeling, um, channeling. She's also channeling. I think Mel Streep from Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, there's certainly that crossover. There, there is that there? real, and she was nominated for an Academy Award, believe it or not, for Devil Wears Prada and Meryl Streep. She gets nominated for everything, but um, there is that energy, the, the sass that she has, the 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 arrogance, the when she walks into a room, everyone must bow, and and it, she's a real presence. Yeah, I mean, it's the essence of Cruella that's really ingrained in her. So it's like mm. the older version of Cruella, absolutely coming through in her. Emma Stone's Estella slash Cruella is actually a much more likable, well-rounded, engaging. I don't want to say hero because she's not a hero. Mm. We know she's not a hero, but she's more of an anti-hero in some ways. You know, in this story, this is her story. This is you're rooting for her, despite the fact that what she goes on to be and mm. what she is is ultimately an evil, despicable character. She's likable. Yes, I really liked her. I I enjoyed and engaged with that character more yeah. so than I ever believed that I thought it, I would. And it's, it, it is definitely Disney shaking that tree and finding niche characters perhaps, or iconic characters from previous films and, and giving them a, a larger platform to understand their background and their psyche and understand why they came to be the mm. people that they became. I think the film is also channeling the Joker a bit, or or Joker. Uh, th there seems to be this split personality going on, mm. um, and it's it's quite a dark film, isn't it? In that sense. Well, yeah, it's funny you should say that. There was a moment in this film where I was thinking, "Do you know what? I really, really like this, and I almost wish this wasn't a Disney movie. Yeah. I wish this wasn't a twelve A. I wish this was a fifteen, or maybe even an eighteen. And I want it to take a really dark, parasite esque twist. Obviously, it doesn't do that because it's a family film. Mm. But it is. It's. I think it's some of the most original, dark, um, powerful work that I've seen from Disney in 
in a number of years. Yeah, I think this follows suit from Malef- Maleficent, if yeah. I get that right. Um, you know, that was quite dark in some ways and it, it was very enjoyable, but it still had the Disney, you know, trying to make it family friendly. And yeah. I think this would have actually been a masterpiece if it wasn't a family friendly film. I think it really would, could have told, mm. it's, it's very good. It's a really, yeah, really, I, really good film, but I think it's lacking in some departments. And I think it is lacking in the sense that I wanted it to be darker. Yeah, I agree. I wanted it to be darker. Mm. And we, as we said at the top of the, um, the, uh, synopsis that it's set in sort of a, it's not, it's a punky era, but it's not a punky era, but it's yeah. very punky, the film. Yeah. But not punky enough. Yeah. I saw you. Did you tweet that somewhere or did you message me that? I think I messaged you it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it needed to be a bit more punkier. It needed to be a bit darker. It needed to be a bit more psychotic in a way. Um, oh, Craig. <laughs> I know it really did. And I think, I think they could have pushed the boundaries a lot further. I know what you mean. It, that Joker element, that parasite element, that's, that's what I wanted. But what I thought it did cleverly, and we can sort of move on to some of the acting here was, the way it pulled it round to make it family friendly was with those two um, street thieves, villains, uh, one played by Paul Waterhauser and the other played by Joel Fry. What did you make of those two characters? Because they were very um, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, weren't they? They were sort of those silly, yeah. we're from London, but we, you know, we're, we're Cockneys and we, we, you know, we rob you and we don't really do it very well, you know. I mean, they are, are they not periphery characters in the original I think, films they're like yeah. the um they drive around in the in the ca- the, the, the car that yeah. catches the dogs One, you mean the, the character ca- played by Hugh Laurie yeah, yeah. I think they are yeah, those characters sort of spin-offs yeah they are in a way um Horace and Jasper Horace played by Paul Waterhauser and Jasper Joel Fry um they are they are very good I think mm. Joel Fry is better in the sense that he is actually English British mm. he has the accent down to a T because he is well suited to that role mm. Paul Waterhauser is not a typical cockney because he is American and he has, and and he does put on the 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 typical cockney voice a bit yeah. like Dick Van Dyke but I still really enjoyed it yeah it's so bad it's good yeah, exactly. And he, he, I, he got the most laughs in the film in, from my point of view, because yeah. I did laugh at him the most. Yeah. And, and I really enjoyed his character. Mm. I, I, I think the, the weakest element of this duo, however, is that you don't see enough of them almost. You don't see maybe a darker element to it that we almost get. There's a scene that plays out when Estella is, is full on Cruella mm. and she comes in and smack something off the table i felt like they could have pushed that darker that Mm. scene there and they could have been some sort of more emotional pull from those two characters maybe something a bit funnier maybe i don't know like just a a little bit more and that's always what i was waiting for Mm. in this film and and no i think story-wise the element of surprise and payoff in in some of the final scenes of this film. Um, I don't obviously want to spoil no, it. Non-spoiler review, of course. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but there is, there is a moment that you hope to sort of, a moment that gets revealed that you don't really want to get revealed in the way that it does. And it was very, it's like a bit of a cop out because, mm. because of it's a family friendly film. Yep, and yep, yep, yep. No, and exactly it, it's what little elements of those cleverness that could have been pushed further yeah that make me not dislike the film mm. just 
not enjoy it or not, not praise it to the extent that I want to have been able to praise it. I think that's the best way of putting it. I mean, it's interesting we're talking about this element of it wanting it to be darker. Joker was trending on Twitter. I didn't look in, I, and I sort of clicked on it. And, and the reason Joker was trending on Twitter is because people were making that comparison. Um, and when I was doing a bit of research about the film, you may have noticed that Cruella didn't have her, um, is it signatory? Is that the word? Her infamous cigarette in the long cigarette holder. Yeah, there's that as well, isn't there? Because Disney made an agreement to themselves meant a number of years ago that they wouldn't show people smoking in their films. So Cruella wasn't able to smoke. So it's things like that where her character's been slightly watered down. It's it's like what we wanted. I've got a food analogy for you here. Okay, great. Well, it's actually a drink analogy, but not a non-alcoholic one. Good. What we wanted was 100% freshly squeezed orange juice mm. and we got orange cordial. Uh, is that good enough? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. But it was damn, for me, it was damn good cordial. It was Robinson's. Again, we're not in a sponsorship with Robinson's, but I'll plug them anyway. <laughs> you know what? I think they're owned by Coca-Cola as well. You know? <laughs> uh, no, uh, uh, the listeners are going to be listening to this and thinking, what are they talking about? All will be revealed shortly. Uh, at some point. Listen to a trailer. Um, I'm getting sidetracked. But yeah, no, it definitely could have been darker. One thing I did want to touch upon um, was just the the cinematography in this film. Um, I think it was by Nicholas Caracastansis. I think that's how you say his name. Mm. Sorry, uh, Nicholas, if I got that wrong. Um, but I thought this film was shot superbly like i always look at cinematography and particularly with my road to the oscars series with like a a, an oscars lens and i'm not saying this is going to get nominated at the oscars for cinematography because it's not we'll get onto its oscars chances shortly um but i thought this visually was there was some what could become quite iconic shots i thought the camera movement was good i thought the way it was shot was nice um, yeah, I thought visually this was very impressive, Craig. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think cinematography-wise it was very good. I think if we're going to push it further, I think the way that it's been graded was very good, very gritty. Mm. Uh, so I think the editing in that sense, or the, or the colour grading um, more so was very 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 good and i think that's i think that's just a standard for disney though they mm. plow a lot in there i think the music was very good as well yep. and i think the sound the soundtrack was great i think they they spent a lot of money on getting certain pieces of original songs in there <laughs> um that's, you know no well, less than the rolling stones yeah i think there would have been a big payout for a number of people here um what i did, if you don't mind craig i did i just mentioned Oscars chances. I did want to mention a category where I think this is not only a genuine nominee, but a potential winner. Mm. Um, and that is in costume design. I think this is, I think this is a slam dunk nomination mm. come Oscars for costumes. And I actually tweeted our friends, Mike, Mike and Oscar, um, who make award season all year round without the stuffiness, give their podcast a listen. Um, and I asked them, I said it's a slam dunk, slam dunk nomination. Do you agree? And also Mike said, I hope so. It shoulda, coulda, woulda been a nom last year, in my opinion. This year is a whole different animal with all the big studio films coming out, but it's definitely out to an early lead in both costumes and hair and makeup. And I couldn't agree with also Mike Moore. For me, this is number one in costumes. It's number one in hair and makeup. And the costume design was done by two people, Jenny Beaven and Tom Davies. And this is the statistic I wanted to give you, the Oscars fact that I said I would give you. Guess how many times Jenny Beaven has been nominated for an Oscar? Ten. How did you get that? I don't know. I just guessed it. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've got in my notes, 10-time Oscar nominee, two-time Oscar winner, going to become a, an 11-time Oscar nominee. The costumes in this film were fabulous, darling. And the hair and makeup <laughs> was gorgeous. You know, the production design. Um, I I was a big, big fan of this movie. Um on a number of levels, I haven't got the Rotten Tomato scores up, um, but I imagine they would be very, very good. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Emma Stone. Like, so I, when I say this season, I mean from the last Oscars, which happened in April, mm-hmm. moving forward to the next Oscars, that's this season. Yeah. She's my number one performance. Now, that's not me saying she's going to get nominated in Best Actress because yeah, she won't. where we currently stand But that's where she currently stands. Yeah. I thought yeah, her... Yeah portrayal of Estella moving into Cruella a bit like Arthur Fleck becoming the Joker I thought it was original I thought it was unique I thought it was I don't want to say empowering because that's slightly wrong when you think what what she goes on to do but um it is empowering in the sense that it's good to see a strong female lead and it's good to see the message that you know if you've got a passion for something like fashion then pursue your dreams a passion for fashion and then people will say, but David, the fashion involves skinning dogs. Well, yes, and also no, because this film is a standalone. Um, it's going to become more than a standalone because you're, you're smiling. They're already talking about a second one. They've already, they've, more than talking, they've already said that it's going into production. Mm. They are, it's already, the deals have been signed. Well, they hinted at it, didn't they? They hinted, but it's been confirmed. Okay, now. wow. Um, 100%. There will be a sequel here. Whether that leads into the actual film, I mean, they did suggest that it would, but maybe yeah. there's a gap there before the actual 101 Dalmatians. I'm not so sure. We'll see. Mm. But, Again, I'd be very much so looking forward to it. I, I think, I think we might be ready for questions. I think we, I think we are. I just didn't, when I, when I said it's a strong, empowering, almost inspiring lead, I didn't want to make people think that I was encouraging the skinning of puppies. Um, I was encouraging people to pursue their dreams. I think it's inspirational from an actor, actress kind of point of view. It's a damn good performance. It's a very, very good performance. And Emma Thompson as well. And yeah, I think we've covered everything from direction to cinematography to production design to our friends Mike, Mike and Oscar. We've done it all, Craig. I'm ready for the question (laughs) okay david cruella available on disney plus and in theaters right now is it worth it 100 percent worth it um i've only seen this once even though we've hit record today i am going to go and see this again because i think it's that good and i think i want to study it a bit more it's going to be in the box office for a while uh, so we can touch upon it more in that in the box office rundown i think the performances are brilliant i think the direction is great i think the cinematography is very very good the costumes are uh, are wonderful. The hair and makeup is brilliant. I think this is one of Disney's best films um, for many, many years. Mm. Could it have been a bit darker? Yes. But it somehow manages to be a family-friendly film while also being quite dark. This is, this is good stuff from Disney. For me, it's worth it. Craig, Disney's Cruella. Is it worth it? Yes. Oh, I this... thought you were going to say no then. <laughs> no, of course I was. I, I mean, this is definitely 100% worth it. What I will say is that you must go and see this in the cinema. If you are unable to, you like really unable to, um, I, I would say it's maybe worth the 1999 uh, paying for watching it on Disney Plus currently. Maybe if it's yourself on your own, I think that's quite, quite steep in terms mm. of pricing um so maybe uh i mean a cinema ticket would be cheaper yeah 
um, genuinely and you get a much better experience mm. in the cinema. Um, but if there's a lot of you, if there's a whole family, it's a definitely a, f- a great family film to watch. It is a bit long for me, actually. I think at two hours, 14 minutes, it's mm. quite long. It could have been darker. It could have been a bit punkier, but I still think it's an absolutely stellar film. I think it's got everything that you'd kind of want from this. It's got great performances, costumes, direction, mm cinematography sound it's it's perfect in that sense just there's just elements of it that i story-wise maybe i would have changed um but yeah definitely 100 percent worth it uh so that was our review of cruella devil <laughs> just just cruella good film <laughs> <laughs> So it's now time for our second review on this week's episode and we will be reviewing A Quiet Place Part 2. Following the deadly events at home, the Abbott family must now face the terrors of the outside world as they continue their fight for survival in silence. Forced to venture into the unknown, they quickly realise that the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats that lurk beyond the sand path. Before we dive into this review, let's take a little listen to a clip. So that was a clip from A Quiet Place Part 2. Following the first events from the first film, obviously, we've sort of this continuation, but the clip that we had there was from like a flashback. Mm. Um, I'm really sorry that we have that kind of clip there. It's obviously a lot of um, noise, noise, um, (laughs) but it did demonstrate probably some of the louder parts of the Mm. film mm, because... It sort of replicates exactly like what the first film did. It's quiet Mm. and they have to be quiet because these creatures are, I don't know, they have this super hearing. If they hear you, they come for you, you're dead. Um, So what the first film did that was really good was that you walked into the cinema um there was, we knew that this was going to be a quiet film. Those around us probably didn't. And they came in with snacks and goodies, popcorn, loud items. (laughs) And within the first few minutes of that film starting, everyone was deadly silent. Mm. There was not a sound made. And you know what? The second one did exactly the same. I went into a pretty packed screening to watch this and people had loads of food still. You know, I, I saw them coming in with yep. drinks and popcorn and scrunchy, loud, noised packets packets of sweets. I don't know. And it was still so quiet. You could hear a pin drop. And I absolutely love that John Krasinski has been able to replicate that 
in a, in a second film mm. um without compromising i think the the first movie in the sense with the story and how we move this horror sci-fi drama mm. on and I, i'm gonna say it straight away i loved it i really 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 loved it i loved the first film and i loved this one equally the same i think um yeah what did you think yeah, so it's amazing sitting here listening to what you've just said because I, I've made a few notes. Uh, I actually saw this film twice and I will touch upon what it was like to see it originally and then upon a rewatch. Um, but in my notes, I made a very specific note that people started talking and misbehaving in the trailers and at the start of this film. Yeah. But within 10 minutes, maybe five minutes, they were captivated. It's in my notes. Just like the first, they went absolutely silent. So strange that you said that, because what that is, that's a sign of a gripping and engaging film. And I was deeply worried about this movie because um, the first A Quiet Place created quite the stir in the cinematic realm on film Twitter because it was such a unique experience sitting in a cinema almost in completely deadly silence and that's because one of our characters is deaf Mm. and the contrast between what she can hear and what's going on and the noise that these creatures make is so effective um and like you said the film starts with a flashback of day one of how the creatures arrived on earth and then it jumps to day 474 um what's great about this film in the opening sequence and in a number of scenes throughout the film it pays homage to the previous one um for example there's a little rocket that you see in the pharmacy that actually features in the first film i don't know if you remember that bit um and You know, one thing about this film, Craig, is the pacing is impeccable. Like, and I do mean that impeccable. The way it takes action, fast paced action thriller with these creatures running around, killing people, causing devastation, and then it pulls it down into really good, slow, heavy dialogue. Um, and the screenplay, when they talk as well, is great. What I noticed upon a rewatch uh, and a further study of the film is actually when these characters are talking, you're interested in what they say, and that matters in a horror film. That matters in a in a in a th- in a, in a thriller. Um, the sound in this film is wonderful. Um, the Academy is now sound, just just sound. Just, just sound. Yeah. Um, this has a chance in that category because I think they could respect A Quiet Place, what it's done in both the first and the second one. Yeah, this is... I'm going to jump in here a little bit mm. quickly because I respect what they've done sound-wise. What I don't respect, however, is that they've taken a character that is fundamentally deaf mm. and there's there's subtitles in there for that character Yeah. so that those who are, you know, capable of hearing, you know, non-deaf people... Mm. I can understand the conversations that yeah. are going on there. However, the, the the vice versa to this film is that they don't show respect to, to, to the deaf community, I think. I feel like like it should just be a standard to have the whole film subtitled. Like It makes no sense to me that it, it's not. Oh, I mean, that's, that's... It's actually slightly disrespectful, I think, to, to, to that deaf community. That The, the, the leading a... person in this film is a deaf person. And and the film isn't subtitled. Like you, you have to go to a, a subtitled screening. Yeah, to but be able that to would get be the that. case of every film, though, wouldn't it? Well, no, it wouldn't be, would it? What do you? So you're saying you want subtitles on all movies? 
No, but, but, but this one. But, but but what I'm saying is like as a you have a choice to go and see films mm. in subtitles. But but when this film is is so entwined with the fact that it has a deaf person yeah, in it, and there are conversations going on, you know, between you know, there's sign language going on in this film, and there's they're, they're subtitled for yeah. those who don't understand uh, sign language. It'd be American but, sign but, as well, which is slightly different. To yeah, bridge. ASL, um, not BSL. But but the the the, the point here is that, that I think it's 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 really disrespectful not to be putting on more subtitle screenings at least, or just putting the film out with subtitles, and that's your standard screening. I think I think I I genuinely believe that 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 would have been a step pushing the boundaries further. Like mm. the boundaries have been pushed with sound here push those boundaries further and make the equality there as well. I agree with what you're saying, but you would have to roll that out for all movies. Why? Why would you have to roll that out for because all it, movies? Because, well, because people who are deaf want to watch more than just A Quiet but, Place Part 2. Of course, but they have subtitle screenings for, for deaf people as well. They should be putting on more screenings for deaf people. I agree with you there. But, but this film fundamentally has a deaf person and sign language in the film and they cater for those who are not capable of understanding sign language mm. why are they not catering within this film for those who are deaf who want to go and watch the film at the same time as as those who are of capable of, of hearing things as well what why why is that why is it that it's 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 actually very disrespectful in my opinion like the, the film centers on a deaf person she mm. is our leading actress in this almost you know the whole plot relies on this character why not show more respect to this character to yeah. that actress and actually subtitle the whole film yeah i mean the character the, the actress you're talking about is millicent simmons um i thought she was a lot of people actually said that she should have been nominated for an oscar in the first film in the supporting actress category i'm i'm not necessarily in that camp i can't remember the nominations that year but this is a very her performance in the first film was brilliant her performance in this film is brilliant uh, i haven't got all of the um uh, actors or actresses in front of me now i do um <laughs> no noah dupe as marcus i think he has tremendous facial expressions the, there's one particular moment where he's in great distress and that really comes across um yeah, he's 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 been in. He was in Honey Boy, uh, Le Mans '66, A Quiet Place. Um, he's he was really good, Craig. I'm not sure what you what you thought of his performance. I thought I thought it was great. Yeah, I I think he's uh, a really evolving mm. actor in the industry. He's obviously been attached to some big films, like you just said, um, and I think he's going to continue to to really grow and expand. And I think he's going to be around for a very very long time. I expect him in some later years to actually possibly maybe go for an Oscar or get some kind of award. I think he's a very 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 capable young man and yeah, and, and I, I think would... and I think you know the the cast in this film is is completely solid um I mean Killian Murphy um who's playing Emmett here he's he, he's brilliant but it does feel like he's a continuation of another character from a, a film that's very similar in terms of you know the disaster movie um do you know what I'm talking about are you are you talking about Dunkirk no, actually, I'm not. I'm oh. talking about 28 Days Later. There's the, the the essence of him in that film. Oh, okay. I um, thought you were talking about his character in Dunkirk, where he was very shook up and and isolated, and and do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I do. I mean, I mean, he's maybe pulling on uh, characters from other films that he's yeah. played, Dunkirk and and possibly Twenty Eight Days Later, mm. which I think was one of his best films that he's done. Um, he's brilliant, and you know, the introduction of him as as maybe uh, a new character within this universe, it, it doesn't disappoint. I don't think like we 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 don't miss John Krasinski too much. We get enough of him in the film. Yeah um enough to 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 satisfy and and then you you're introduced to this new character that actually i think fulfills that want mm. to have more of that 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 krasinski character um emily blunt let's talk about emily blunt because i think she's a an amazing actress mm. um she's been around for a long time i think she's evolved with these films uh, you know mary poppins when she did, she did that i thought she was brilliant mm. um and then, obviously, the, the the husband and wife dynamic here with with John and Emily being being married, and then working on a film together, acting mm. together, but also John directing her. Yeah, I yep. think they're a really capable team, and I'd actually love to see another film that they work on together that's not a quiet place. Yeah. Um, I do believe there's going to be another film coming out that I, I think actually, if the rumors are correct, that. John Krasinski's not going to be attached to it. It's going to be almost like a, a, a sub character that's going to be taking it on another path. It's not going to be this family, I don't think. That would be very, very worrying. It would be very, very I worrying. Would, I will go on record saying I would be absolutely furious if this had a spin-off and like a, a, a almost a parallel, not universe, but a parallel film was made. I want to. They've they've got an idea. I think I think uh, John Krasinski is going to be attached to it in some way, but I, that he's not going to be directing. I thought his direction in this was brilliant. Yeah, so do I. Um, really, really good. And what I wanted to talk about you and I mentioned this before we hit record, and 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 I said I was going to mention what I have. Um, created as the Apollo 13 effect. Mm. Um, okay, I want to hear this. So Apollo 13 is a great example of a film where most people know the story of Apollo 13. No, most people know the ending of that film mm. from the history, but that film still manages to keep you gripped and captivated and on the edge of your seat. Upon a rewatch, and the reason I rewatched this and went to see it again in the cinema was because I wanted to see, did... A quiet place to have that what I call the Apollo thirteen effect. Was, was I still going to be on the edge of my seat? The suspense was the, it still yeah. there. Was I still going to be nervous? Would it still hold my attention? Not only do I think it did, I think it was better on a rewatch. I really genuinely believe that. I appreciated the cinematography more. I appreciated the sound more. I appreciated the character development more. I noticed lots of little Easter eggs um, that were that were planted in there. I don't have it in front of me, but I thought the soundtrack, um, I think I did put in my notes, but I can't see it, who the soundtrack was by. Like, as in sound design? or The, the soundtrack, or... the actual music in the film. So the music, so yeah. the score, you mean? Yeah, the score, yeah. yeah okay. um, I thought the score was was brilliant and the way they use the score as well so there's moments of total silence there's moments where you've got this score coming in there's moments where you hear these creatures this sort of ticking noise and what i've conjured as the jurassic park effect oh um, god how many effects are there <laughs> gonna be but there, there was a feeling of the original jurassic park you know where the velociraptor and they're in the kitchen and they're yeah, hiding from it the suspense again. that was that feeling of jurassic park yeah so there's Jurassic Park, there's Apollo 13, there's loads. Is it, people will ask me, 
David, which one's better? And for me, um, I think A Quiet Place Part 2 is probably better than the first. I genuinely think on for the development, it's a thriller. I think it's great. They're very, very connected. And they're very different as well. And they're, I mean, they're, they're different and they're not different. Mm. I mean, this, th- this is it's a, con- it's a continuation and it is, it is a part two. But the funny mm. thing is that they never actually plan to have a part two, which I find funny because, mm. you know, John Krasinski always wanted it to just be a standalone film, never again, you know, nothing to continue it. And and I think the audacity to call it a part two, like they all were expecting, it was always expected, it was always going to be there. What do you think quite, it should have been called? No, no, I think it should have been called A Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah. They managed to pull it off that they had the idea initially yeah, yeah, that yeah, it was yeah. going to be a two-parter or a three-parter, whatever it's going to be. But, you know, they pull, they managed to pull that yeah. off. They managed to weave in another story Obviously, it's to, for commercial reasons and yeah. financial so, reasons. You know, it made a lot of money at the box yeah, office I was previously. Say, it should have been called A Quiet Place Part 2 because it did well at the box office. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I think people and audiences wanted to see what happened to this family next. Mm. So, yes, I rate it for that. I, I, I kind of almost wanted them to leave it at, at, at A Quiet Place. Mm. Um, so did I, but I'm glad they made a Part 2. I Qu- am question. I'm very glad. Go on. Um, not is it worth it? No, no, not yet. Does this lead us to a part three? And do you want a part three? It doesn't lead us to a part three. And mm. I think it does genuinely. I, I genuinely think actually leave it where it is now. Mm. And maybe if if they're going to milk the cash cow, let's see where they take that. And I think I think I think John Kriskinski's got an idea. Mm. It's his idea of where they're going to take this next. And I think the sub idea. Mm. If they can pull it off of having following a different character, if it's going to be Killian Murphy, that would be cool. But um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to say before I asked you the question, or you asked me the question, was there was one. I'm going to ask you the question. Is that is that what we're saying? There's just one bit in the film I wanted to touch upon. It was when there were three scenes all happening at once, running parallel next to each other. Mm. Don't want to give anything away, but I thought the way they were put together, you had three very slow burning sequences that built up in tension, running parallel against each other. Three of our characters in different places at the same time, what was happening, the way that was put together, I thought was brilliant. And upon a rewatch, that was still captivating and great. Um, I think Craig's looking at me like, shut up, David. I'm not. I'm just very uh, listening intently. <laughs> just listening intently. Um, our listeners are also listening intently. But Craig, they want to know, of course, the reason they're here is, is it worth it? So I'm going to ask you the question. Uh, a Quiet Place Part 2, it was made because it did very well at the box office. <laughs> is it worth it? Yes, A Quiet Place Part 2 is 100% worth seeing in the cinema, might mm. I add. It is only available currently in the cinema. Yep. Thank goodness for that. Um, yeah, it, it 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 is the film that possibly could save cinema. Um, and I think this is something that we're not talking about, really. The mm. cinemas are reopening. They are still in a precarious position in terms of maybe financially being stable mm. and... I think this is bringing audiences in. I think people want to be scared. It does seem like actually cinema at the minute is dark. It's it, it's really light hearted on, is there? there Although there no, is Dream Horse, which Dream we'll, Horse, yeah, which we will review next week. But, but this week that. it is very dark, and I think out of all of <laughs> yes, the films this week, maybe the A Quiet Place Two is is number one, and it, mm. you know it is 
It is number one in the box office, is it not? Or was that Cruella? Uh, it is number one. I in think the box next office. week Cruella was going to be number one. That will be interesting. We could have a little side wager on that. There comes the gambling addiction. Um, I, what do I think? Well, I think the Quiet Place will, two will, will stay at the top. Um, I think as a franchise, I think it's just got a lot of buzz behind it at the moment. Yeah, but it's 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 playing with Disney, isn't it? Uh, That's a tough game to play. It is exactly, but no, it's definitely worth seeing. If you're going to ever watch it, watch it in the cinema. Mm. So that means get your brush off your unlimited cards. Your your uh, what's the Odeon one? Limitless. 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 Brush that off. Get that out. Go to the cinema, or just buy a, an actual ticket. Dare I think I it's totally ticket. worth it. Yes, but you know what? Go to the other kind of cinemas as well. The local cinemas, yep. the Rex, uh, the Odyssey, they are opening back up as well. Um, you know, those of you who know what I'm talking about, go to them, support them because they, they need our support. Yeah. Um, more than anybody, I think. Um, the big chains, they can survive. Yeah, I That'll totally agree. But go and go and see it in the greats. You know what? Actually, I'm going to the Odyssey again soon. Oh wow! I'm looking, we, 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 whatever you see, you, please bring us a review. Oh, not we are, a... and I'm hoping you're going to catch it as well. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to see Rare Beasts, which is Billy Piper's directorial debut. Oh wow! Okay, I didn't. Oh know yeah, that. and I'm exciting. very excited. We've got a cheese board already booked as well. Have you actually? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, you can have a full-on cheese board with extra crackers. Great, <laughs> extra crackers. Are you mad? Extra Stilton, or my yeah. favourite cheese, which is I like, um, I like the quince jelly too. I like the French one, the wetter blue cheese. Um, I don't care. Okay, Craig, ask me the question: <laughs> Is blue cheese worth it? No, Roquefort. That's the one. Oh, okay, that sounds nice. It's beautiful. It's like it's like. Um, uh, Stilton, mm. but not as dry. Stilton's quite crumbly. This is warm, wet, moist. Why the hell are we talking about cheese? Ask me the question, man. A Quiet Place Part 2. Is it worth it, David? Yes, this is 100% worth it, and it's really worth seeing in the cinema. The sound on this film is incredible. The way it surrounds you, the use of silence. Um, it's never predictable. It's really tense on a rewatch, which is a sign that it's a very good film on the first watch. It's got a great soundtrack. The pacing is impeccable. Uh, the screenplay is also very good. The acting from a variety of um, our protagonists is brilliant. Big shout-out to Millicent, Mill- Millicent Simmons. Um, the Apollo 13 effect, it keeps you captivated, even though you know what's necessarily going to happen. Brilliant film. Watch it, watch it, watch it. Oh, and that's the end of the review. Sorry, I forgot well, to press the button quick enough. It's like, oh. it's just there. <laughs> Quake Fields, button pusher. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of the show. Or does it? No, it doesn't. This is the uh, last review that we're coming to. David, I, I was just trying to see if you were uh, listening, but you were I, on I your phone I was just checking again. my phone. Um, I was just testing you. I'm, I'm listening. I'm, come on, crack on. Okay. Well, it's The Conjuring, <laughs> The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, so The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It reveals a chilling story of terror, murder, and unknown evil that shook even experienced real-life paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. I didn't realise they were real-life investigators. I of, thought... course, of course they are. That's The whole Conjuring universe is based upon the real stories of these real people. Okay, well, well, this is one of the most sensational cases from their files. It starts with a fight for the soul of a young boy, then takes them beyond anything they'd ever seen before to mark the first time in US history that a murder suspect would claim oh, I was 
been possessed by demonic possession as a defence. <laughs> <laughs> would claim demonic possession as a defence. That was was that your impression of being possessed? No, no, that was my that was my impression of a young boy going. I'm demonic possessed. That was really bad. Play the clip. <laughs> You okay there? Jesus. I think I hurt someone. This is Ed Warren, here with Lorraine. All right, let's get started. Residents of Brookfield were shocked this afternoon by the broad daylight murder of Bruno Sauls. The court accepts the existence of God every time a witness swears to tell the truth. I think it's about time they accept the existence of the devil. Whatever is going on, whatever happened that day, that was not Arnie. It's a witch's totem. We think your family was cursed. But that connection still open. So that was a clip from The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Um, Where am I going to start this review? Well, the first thing I'll say is I was a big fan of the original film, The Conjuring. Um, I liked The Conjuring 2. The the universe actually includes a film called The Curse of La Lorna. Um, La La Lorna, something like that. It sounds Spanish. Do forgive me. Um, Annabelle Comes Home, Annabelle Creation, Annabelle the Nun. Um, so it's a, a wide variety of things in the Conjuring universe. Yeah, I the only thing, uh, or the only one that I think I've actually seen is the Nun. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, did, I haven't got them in front of me. I did look at the Rotten Tomato scores. Some of the films get really good scores. The Nun was one of the lower ones. Um, so, really, from my experience of the Conjuring universe... The bar was set low. Yeah, well, I'm slightly different. I like the Conjuring universe, and I like actually that you didn't know that this is based upon these real people. Well, no, what I didn't realise was that it was. I, I believed that it was based on some real life mm. factual things that happened. I believed that the story happened uh, that this this young lad murdered his landlord mm. and that it went to court and he pleaded not guilty on the basis of demonic possession. And then I thought that they took that and they brought these characters in who are fictional characters yeah. okay. and they wove that into this factual story there to bring us an element... That no, was very so different. Ed, but Ed, actually, they are real life in paranormal investigators yes, of some sort. Ed, Ed and, paranormal investigators, and I think demonologists, something like that. It's quite a quite a close link to the Catholic Church and exorcisms and like Van Helsing. Well, um, <laughs> I I don't know where we're going with this, but what I wanted to say. Let's get back on track. Um, I'm a fan of the Conjuring universe, so expectations were. Hi. Um, initial thoughts. The film is... One one thing that the film has is it has um, almost the Saving Private Ryan effect. <laughs> oh, no. 
where, I think I almost preferred the food analogies. No, no. So what happens in Saving Private Ryan? They have the um, the D Day landings at the start, and it starts with the action. What happens in the Conjuring? The Devil Made Me Do It. It starts with this big bold, elaborate exorcism. I mean, they literally threw the paint at the wall. They throw you straight into it. There's demons, there's things flying, there's blood coming out of showers. Um, I... I will get. I will make points, and here's the first one. Good balance of jump scares and tense moments. Um, solid performances from Patrick Wilson and Vera uh, Farmiga. Um, a couple of silly moments. One, actually, on upon a rewatch, I actually watched this with Craig, and there was one moment where it is silly, and it, it should have been cut from the film. Craig actually laughed out loud. Um, I think this whole film pivots on its believability. And when I was doing some research on this film and on Twitter, I actually saw Mark Commode say that almost none of this could actually happen. That's a quote from Mark Commode. Almost none of this could actually happen. Therefore, he gave it a really bad review. I, being a religious person, believe that actually some of this could happen. So it did suspend my belief. It did get me interested. And... It's a slower burner than some of the Conjuring films, but there are fireworks, and I thought it was pretty good, actually. I was pleasantly surprised, um, and me and Craig have disagreed about this, but I think fundamental to the enjoyment of this film is whether it's believable or not. Did you actually listen to the full Commode review? No. So he didn't actually give it a bad review. Did he not? No. So he did say that the believability is very low. Yes. But actually it's his favourite Conjuring film out of the whole universe. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm sorry. See, what I, I try not to watch whole Commode reviews. I love Mark Commode, by the way. I try to avoid his reviews before doing mine. Yeah, So same. I don't want to plagiarise. Um just become a commode regurgitator. A commode But I saw that. Um, almost none of this could actually happen. I thought he gave it a bad review. But I think that's a pivotal point. How much of this could happen? How believable is this? Do you, do you believe, as it says in the film, Craig, every time you go to court, I mean, it's changing now. Well, that's the line that I really like, yeah. and I did say that to you. Say, 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 say why well, you like that. Every time we... you go to court, they swear on the Bible, mm. the believer, you know, the believability of, of God, or yeah, what accepting it, in the God, yeah. Accepting God as being true. It's about time we accepted the existence of the devil. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the reason why I like that line is because it actually makes me laugh. (laughs) Because, uh, I mean, I'm I'm atheist. I respect your religion, David. Mm. But to still stand up into a court of law and swear on a Bible, Mm. I mean, I I think that's ridiculous. I I didn't know you were going to say this on it. I I totally disagree. I think... To swear, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, as, yeah, so to swear Christian, on the Bible is, it's a way of saying, I, I promise it, in front of God as my witness to tell the truth, the whole truth, well, and nothing exactly, but the truth. But, so help but, me God. But, but a lot of people are atheists. Yeah. So or it means nothing. don't believe in God or may bet- pretend that they believe in mm. God and they will swear on a Bible and it means nothing to yeah. them. And I think there's, I mean, if you're standing up in a court of law and you're charged with murder, or whatever, and you're swearing on a Bible, honestly, it's neither here nor there. I mean, um, you know, what's the point? And again, someone could, as they say, you know, plead not guilty on the basis of demonic uh, possession, and they have to take that seriously because Mm. they are. You know, there's God. They must be a a devil. Yeah. And and if that's what they're saying, then they have to take that seriously. And 
to me, it's a load of cobblers. <laughs> Genuinely. And uh, and that's why the believability is quite low in that sense. But it did make me laugh that they were saying that because actually that raises the bar a little bit in the sense that I'm trying to suspend your belief. They're trying very hard to suspend yeah. my belief. I enjoyed that moment. It did make me chuckle. But the worst moment is is one of a, of a reanimated corpse. It, ridiculous. It made me laugh out loud. Yeah. I mean, there are moments of this film where it, it, it hinges on being ridiculous. Um and I think the story is is quite ridiculous. I I think the the it's the whole concept on a true is, story based. Yeah, yeah, I haven't but, yeah, done but, research but, into how but, true it is. The, the truth is that a, a young man murdered another man, mm. and he stood up in court and said that he was possessed by a demon. Mm. I mean, it's I've that's heard the some, truth. I've heard some defences in my time, but that but is a good one. That's the truth. That's the true part of this story, and then the rest of it is just taken out of context. I, yeah, but don't forget. We don't want to give away the ending, but they do tell you what happens to said per, said person, and they tell you how it pans out. And come on, this is Hollywood, David. Well, I would, I would just. I mean, I, I don't know, but I would imagine that is the truth. They're no, not going to make but, it up. Yes, they are. This is Hollywood. They stretch the truth in every essence. Even a film that's would, trying no. to be as true as true as they possibly can no. the truth is always stretched because you have to sell the film and and in in a film from the conjuring universe david they are going to stretch that truth that believability well, there's truth or there's fiction you can't stretch degree. truth no yes you can what do you mean what do you mean you can't stretch truth? Well, you've always got truth or a lie, isn't it? Um, oh, that's very cute of you, David. But you've got truth and then you can extend <laughs> that truth and you can stretch it to the point of no longer being true. Well, the point I'm making is at the end of this film, they say in writing what the conclusion to the story was. I would assume, I might be wrong, I haven't researched that what they said was gospel, was truth, was what, you know, that happened. I would be very surprised if they changed the ending because it sort of defeats the object of telling the story in the first place. I will, I will no, look it up. But what is the point of telling this story in the first place? Yeah. Well, to make money. And how do you make money? On make a, a quiet f- place too. <laughs> <laughs> how do you make money on too. the Conjuring universe from a story that is fundamentally just somebody who's pleaded not guilty mm. to being dem- demonically possessed, and that's just. That, that is stretching that truth and making it trying trying to put in you know like that beginning scene come on i mean they're, they're paying homage to the exorcist in there i mean Camo said that in his review mm. and it's true i know i saw that when i was watching the film when the, when when the priest or the father turns up and he's standing in the in the driveway and the, the long shadow it there's homage to to the exorcist there and 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 they 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 are mm. they are trying very hard and i enjoyed it yeah i did enjoy it and 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 i don't think our listeners were expecting to hear me say that on the fa- on the basis of what i was saying it's the only proper conjuring film that i've seen yeah i mean the first one is currently on netflix worth a watch okay i'll give it a go it's 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 not an insidious film it's not the last key and make it the last key <laughs> it it is it was enjoyable i enjoyed mm. the characters Patrick Wilson played Ed Warren there, Vera Farmiga, Lorraine, Lorraine Warren. I enjoyed them as a, as a pairing. Um, and I, 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 I didn't believe them completely as their characters, I suppose, mm. but I liked, I like them. They're very likable. You're rooting for them the whole time. 
I I quite like the occult um, in some in some ways. Documentaries about the occult are some are, are where I I prefer to go because I really enjoy those. This this is Hollywood though. It is typical Hollywood, and it does push the boundaries of believability to the ninth yeah. to the nth degree, I suppose. And 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 they and they will do they they do that so much so in that you know the opening sequence of hell. But do you know what through. I mean by when I say the um, Saving Private Ryan effect? And I keep talking about effects in this bloody episode. Um, it opens with that. Some people, I imagine, would say the problem, the only way for this film was down. Normally, the exorcism, the big well, showpiece no, would well, be no. in the middle of the film, but they went no. for it at the, at the start, which is hard to pull off. Saving Private Ryan is a great example of a film that does pull it off. Yeah, but it, it, Saving Private Ryan has a very captivating story. Again, that is something. That story mm. isn't based on complete truth. No, Again, no, no, of course And they've not. taken these fictional yeah. characters from the D-Day landings and they've told a very interesting story. They've tried to do this here, but the believability of, re, you know, there's witches, there's reanimated corpses, there's... <laughs> paranormal serious paranormal activities and they've got mm. to try and prove the believability to a court here mm. to try and get this bloke this young man off arnie. death row arnie yeah. off death row and and you know there's poltergeist action going on here things moving about people being floating in midair you know it is really pushing those boundaries of of, of, of suspending my belief but yeah. nonetheless it was exciting it was fun it was a bit of rubbishness in in some instances <laughs> And, and it was I, a bit I, of rubbishness. I did enjoy it, though. Yeah. I did enjoy it. I mean, I watched it twice, and look, what I would say is, having watched A Quiet Place twice, A Quiet Place improved for a rewatch. I think it got better on a rewatch. This didn't get better. This was like, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I think it keeps the series alive and well. They had some flashbacks to when... Um, Lorraine and Ed were younger. Um, I thought it was that was quite cute. The way the film ended was a little bit more upbeat without a spoiler. I thought this was likable um, and surprising. It could have been terrible, um, but for me, it was actually pretty good. I wouldn't use the word solid because it wasn't solid, if that makes sense. Yeah. It wasn't solid. There was things wrong with it, but it was enjoyable. Yeah. It's a good horror, and there's jump scares in there, but the jump scares aren't as pre- insidious the last key hopefully no more keys the jump scares were so predictable at least in this one they weren't as predictable the music was by joseph bashara also known for the conjuring the conjuring 2 and insidious thought the soundtrack was great in this mm. um i could talk for hours but do you want to round it off yeah go on then um craig the conjuring the devil made me do it Arr. <laughs> Is it worth it? Yeah, this is this is worth seeing in the cinema. If you want to go and see a, um, I don't know, not great horror. Uh, no, I don't want to say that. If you want to see something that's got a lot of jump scares in it, if you're a fan of the Conjuring universe, mm. I think this this is definitely worth going to see in the cinema. Um, if you got those unlimited cards, I think that it's totally worth going to see. Definitely go and see it maybe more than once if there's nothing else playing that doesn't take your fancy. Mm. I can't say that I am 100% sold on it. I enjoyed it. It was a bit of light watching in the sense that I don't know. I didn't have to. I, di- I don't know. I, you know what? <laughs> I'm I just, not sure if this is worth it. Can, oh, God. Can I just say one thing? This film was about a boy that was possessed by a demon and stabbed someone to death 22 times, and you just called it a bit of light watching. I love it. 
I say a bit of light watching is that I didn't have to think too much. Though. No, you don't have to think. A Quiet Place 2 makes you think a bit. This is very... It's like Love Island. It's mush. Um, and everyone knows watching Love Island is bad, but we all do it. Ask me the question. David, The Conjuring, uh, The Devil Made Me Do It. Um, <laughs> is it worth it? I can just imagine Craig in court. Well, The Devil Made Me Do It, mate. Um, I was possessed. <laughs> Look, um, I don't think this adds anything new or revolutionary to the, the Conjuring universe. Um, it's certainly not a, a hereditary, which is really going to sort of shake the horror world up. It's a bit of a run-of-the-mill goblin. Um, like Craig said, there's one part where a dead body comes back to life and runs and face plants, and it's ridiculous, and it's laugh out loud. But other than that, other than the face-planting dead man, um, solid performances, some good jump scares, and overall, yeah. For me, the devil made me do it was worth it. Nice. Nice. Terrible excuse. So that brings us to the end of week 57 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show as always. And we'd ask you, if you could, to share it with your loved ones. Yep, friends, family. Uh, again, me and Craig are smiling at each other. Normally we have some sort of script. No script, we're just going off the cuff. Look, we love your interaction. If you like the podcast, tell people, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Interact with us on Twitter. Send us an email. Craig, dearest Craig, how can they <laughs> How can they email us? Well, you can send an email via your email client of choice. And <laughs> the address that you need to uh, put in there is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. That email address again is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. You can follow us on all the social medias. Um, you know, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, go to the website www.isitworthitpodcast.com and there is a, the links are there instead of just trying to search for it it's, it's, it's all there it's easy peasy um, very very good yes I was going to ask your permission yes can I say what's coming up on next week's show of course you can on next week's show we will be rev- on ne- in two weeks time I should say we will be reviewing Dream Horse Hitman's Bodyguard Wife Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife and Supernova um, <laughs> is that right Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife I think I'm not um, sure that's correct Dream Horse I've seen it I'm looking forward to reviewing that Supernova um, Stanley Tucci uh, looks tremendous uh, Craig's got it up yeah it is The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard yeah so it's not The Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife Oh dear. It's the hit it's the hitman's wife's bodyguard. <laughs> anyway, we don't know the names of the films, but it's gonna be a damn good show. Make sure you tune in to week what will that be? Fifty fifty eight? Fifty eight, yeah, I c I can't do maths. No. Uh, we're coming to the end of the show, end of the track. Should we um should we call it a day? I think we should. See you soon folks. Good night. Good boot. Goodbye. Perfect timing. Listen to that, the piano just fades out. Good job, mate. Got it tight in the studio. Mate, that was great.